Hello and welcome to Geek Between the Lines, the podcast that explores compelling themes and some of our favorite geeky properties. I'm Chris. I'm Brittany. On this episode, we'll be discussing Star Wars with the theme of agency. We're going to start off this week with a quote from Star Wars Episode 7, where Finn is talking to Rey in Maz's cantina about his past. His past. His past. The truth about his past. Yes. <laughs> I'm not resistance. I'm not a hero. I'm a stormtrooper. Like all of them, I was taken from a family I'll never know and raised to do one thing. But my first battle, I made a choice. I wasn't going to kill for them, so I ran. Yeah. A good quote, I think, about Finn's change to and why he wanted to change and how that is unlike a stormtrooper. It's why I think that having mm-hmm. a stormtrooper as a protagonist is was a really good call for the new the new trilogy because mm-hmm. it gives more humanity to that group and it shows the agency that they have and also the lack of agency that they have at times. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with the re-education that they have and, and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, we have come full circle or right back to where we started where with where um, I have a character you have plot with mm-hmm. Star Wars. So uh, my character in Star Wars with agency is R2-D2. R2! Yeah, um, because when I think about agency, there's so much going on in Star Wars that you can mm-hmm. talk about. You can talk about clones, you can talk about you know, slave races, or you can talk mm-hmm. about droids. And mm-hmm. droids are definitely something that I've certainly found interesting. I mean, don't talk too much about those because... Oh, we've got plenty to talk about, don't yeah, worry. I have a plot point. <laughs> good, good, good. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. But... Stick to R2, okay? Okay. <laughs> because R2, I think, is such a unique character in not only that he... Especially as you see him in the prequels, you find out how much agency he had in the original trilogy that mm-hmm. droids typically do not have. Mm-hmm. You know, him going to Obi-Wan in the first place, even though Obi-Wan doesn't remember him, this is something that most droids would never have have the capacity or the knowledge to do. But R2, because he's been left without mind wipes and such for so long, he's developed this personality and this, he knows this history where he can um, lead things in different directions in ways that the people surrounding him have no idea. And I think C-3PO as the straight man who has no idea what's going on is also very interesting mm-hmm. um, because he has no clue why R2 is doing what R2 is doing. Yeah. <laughs> because he has had his mind wiped. He, mm-hmm. he has had his agency taken from him. Mm-hmm. But R2, he maintains all that memory and he's able to, to have that kind of personality. And he... That doesn't say that C-3PO doesn't have a personality, but it's so... Oh, he has a strong personality. For sure. (laughs) But I think it's so interesting how R2's personality throughout the movies is so rambunctious, is so, you know, uh, he does what he wants to do in whatever way he wants to do it, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, I can't imagine another droid, like, putting out an oil slick and lighting a bunch of droids on fire like he does in the (laughs) prequels, you know? Or the ways that he talks to... Uh, he, he talks to Luke, or the way that he hits Yoda when he knows who Yoda is <laughs> in Empire, you know? Uh, like, he knows he's been to Dagobah before, according to the Clone Wars. Like, he knows... I mean, he doesn't hit Yoda. He electric shocks him. That's true. You're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yoda hits him. That's what it is, yeah. <laughs> he fights with Yoda, which is just, to me, like, so clearly a part of his character so one of the reasons i love his character i think he's such a, mm-hmm. a he's such a great droid 
But yeah, when I think of agency, I think of him as an example of of how droids can have agency, mm-hmm. but how oftentimes it can be stripped from them the way it is with C-3PO. Mm-hmm. Like, he is an example of what might happen to droids if they, they didn't have memory wipes and things like that done to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, going into my plot point, oh, because yes. it's directly related, I wanted to talk about droids and the agency they do or don't have. Mm. And I think... So I was starting off thinking about the originals. Okay. Chronologically, they're not supposed to come, mm-hmm. you know, on the timeline. Um, but, and, and, and thinking about how, at the beginning, R2 couldn't exercise any type of agency because he had that restraining bolt mm. on. And the fact that then we see that same thing in Solo, mm-hmm. right? that all of these different droids have this device on them that disallows them from being able to do what they normally would do for mm-hmm. them to be able to make different choices. It seemed like R2 still could make some choices there because he basically convinced him to get it taken off right? Him, but he wasn't able to leave, right? And so really his, his actual ability to take different actions um was completely gone and so but then you have other droids which i mean it's interesting that you picked r2 because i was thinking about a bunch of the different droids and some just seem like they have more agency Mm. than others and like there's k2so right right from rogue one um who's one of my favorite droids, if not my favorite droid, he's because amazing. he's amazing. Uh, and then I don't know if he seems like he has more agency because he's speaking in English words mm. versus just beeps and sounds that we don't always know exactly what's being said. We can get the gist by how other people react. Mm-hmm. So for me, like him compared to like BB 8, there's a big difference. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, you have. K2SO, where he was reprogrammed, mm-hmm. right? So he's not how he normally would have been, and now he has his own personality and his own choices that he's making, um, and humorous choices mm-hmm. in his words, which I love. <laughs> um, and then, obviously, we if you go into Solo more, there's this whole droid uprising that happens just by giving droids agency back Mm -hmm. and and i thought it was really interesting how they kind of had it um they had it seem so much like these droids were just going through these motions and like entirely kind of dead inside Mm -hmm. and then as soon as they got the restraining off they were doing their own thing and they were revolting and they and they had all of these choices now available to them which i thought was yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny because one of the compelling questions that I was thinking about about mm-hmm. asking was, do you think that droids can have desire? Mm-hmm. Because even when the droids are freed by L3 in Solo, mm-hmm. all of the droids immediately start 
rebelling, right? Mm-hmm. So does that mean that there is not a single droid there that had a different opinion? Or was it just a different kind of reprogramming, you know, taking these things off and then they still followed some kind of order? Because I feel like even when droids are, are showing some kind of individualism, mm-hmm. there's always a time, there always seems to be an element of they're still following orders in a way. They're still trying to accomplish the mission of the people who they belong to, essentially. Mm-hmm. Well, I think yes and no, because I think if we look at C-3PO, mm-hmm. we do see some desire, right? Because okay. he, all the time, it, you know, he doesn't want to go that way because mm-hmm. he thinks that's going to lead to his destruction, basically. Mm-hmm. And and he gets upset that R2 wants to go that way. So it's like he he seems to have some amount of emotions and like he has this desire to continue and to not break down and to not shut down, right? So when I say desire, like, I mean that like outside of self-preservation because I feel like self-preservation could be programmed in, you know? Like what does C-3PO want for himself? Mm Mm-hmm. And I, and like, I mean, to talk. That's true. Definitely <laughs> to talk. Um, but uh, even L3, you know, mm-hmm. she she seems to, to care about Lando. But does she have desire? Does she want to go on this mission herself? Or is she only doing it because Lando tells her she needs but to? But she very much seemed like she had desire. Because she wanted this different reality for droids. Mm-hmm. And she worked for it and she would yell at other people who were like watching droid battles and everything so she seemed like she had her own desire that lando did not have or Mm. didn't really care about um yeah yeah i see that too especially with her it's one of the reasons i love her as a character mm -hmm, but i think that it's just very interesting because you know look at k2so Mm-hmm. He goes down fighting for this cause mm-hmm. that he was programmed to believe in. Yeah. Did he really like love like did he really believe in that cause or was he programmed to? Mm-hmm. You know, like But he also left the ship, right? Mm-hmm. When they told him to stay. Just to go see what was going on. And so it seems like he isn't always just following orders. That's true. So yeah, it's interesting. There's like kind of lines of independence and then there's Mm -hmm. lines of agency and lines of personal desire and and programming. It's all very, very complicated. And I do think that, like, I wonder not only about, like, how the universe works, but how then the creators were imagining droids within the Mm -hmm. universe, you know? Um, Because there are multiple different creators for these different movies and properties as Mm -hmm. well. And so do some of them, you know, have these different perspectives on droids that reflect differently uh, mm-hmm. in, in the actions of those droids. Yeah, I don't know. It's just very interesting. Yeah, and that actually leads me to my compelling question, which me. is why do you think different droids have different capabilities or seem to have different capabilities for mm-hmm. agency? Um, is it just like a plot convenience that some have these personalities and then there's the little mouse droids that it's like, what are they doing except running away from Chewbacca? <laughs> like, or is there intentional programming that limits or increases a droid's agency abilities? Mm. Because wouldn't we expect something like Imperial droids to actually be built with less 
ability to make any type of choices mm-hmm. rather than just follow orders. Yeah, so. I, I think it's interesting because I know I know that there have been some kind of aside comments in, in multiple properties about, you know, the longer a droid goes without a mind wipe or what have you, the more mm-hmm. of a personality it gets, the more independence mm-hmm. it gets. I think even Lando says that about L3 and Solo, mm-hmm. um, that he won't mind wipe her because she has all these coordinates, but that means that she's developed this personality that he, mm-hmm. he can't get rid of, essentially. And so it, it almost makes me think of uh, of kind of a metaphor for the growth of a person, you know, mm-hmm. of... Someone who, when they're young, they have a personality, the way C-3PO has a personality from the moment he gets mind-wiped, but mm-hmm. they don't have the abilities to truly comprehend things, to develop their own ideas on things, right? They're so uh, um, formed by their surroundings, by their parents, by their, their family, and by, mm-hmm. by things like that, that they, they at first start to imitate that until they start to build their own personality with the more mm-hmm. and more experiences they get. This is obviously a massive oversimplification of the maturation process of humans, mm-hmm. which I'm in no way an expert of, but <laughs> metaphorically and symbolically, I kind mm-hmm. of see that as seen in droids where the longer they're alive, the more they're able to process and comprehend things even though they do it in a slightly different way and that leads to more growth in their computing and i wonder Mm -hmm. if that means that for example you mentioned r2 being able to convince luke to take off his resistance bolt Mm -hmm. that was in some way him following orders you know like Mm -hmm. and so was that a way for r2 knowing how people work and knowing you know, how to manipulate his own programming Mm -hmm. to be able to do something that will, while not being technically, like, within direct orders is and still being kind of manipulative, is still following the general orders that Leia gave him, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. Well, and it's interesting to think about what would we be like Mm -hmm. if... I, I don't know how often I could imagine that... In the Empire, it would just be this weekly protocol where they just go in, totally. get their, or certain parts of their memory wiped. Mm-hmm. And what would we be like if every week we had our memories mm-hmm. wiped? Um, and how would that decrease our ability to choose things? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't but know. It's very interesting. It is really interesting because also I think that the most competent droids that we see also are the ones who have the most independence and are the ones who have the most agency. You know, mm-hmm. R2 and L3, I think, are among the most competent droids that we see. And, I and mean, those BB-8. destroyer droids are pretty competent. They're competent at one <laughs> specific task. and But once they go up against a Jedi, yeah. you know, they're not going to do quite as well. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to being, like, innovative... And being able to do things that are outside of a specific set of programming. Yeah. I think that they need that. Um, and, and a lot of droids don't have it. Yeah. And then it's interesting because now I'm just like expanding outside even the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking of like the good place. I'm thinking of Big Hero 6. And there are different kind of ways of dealing with this idea. And... Whereas in the more recent Star Wars movies seem to take droids as people Mm -hmm. so that if one 
if a droid is destroyed, it's not like, oh, well, we have a backup of right. its memory and everything. Um, which, theoretically, you should be able to do. Mm-hmm. But, but it wasn't, right? It wasn't done that way. So, yeah, which is very interesting because, hey, Big Hero 6, it's, they were able to still have Baymax, which is awesome because Baymax is amazing. Yeah. I, it's one of the things I think that this, this podcast is a lot of fun for because uh, I, I kept thinking about droids and comparing them to house elves in Harry Potter. Mm, of this mm-hmm. idea of they clearly have ascensions and they have personality and independence, mm-hmm. but so much of that is so wholly consumed and subservient to the the goal of wizards and owners and, and masters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that's kind of the case with droids too, but it, it's just, I don't know, it's, it's fascinating. But then you have in our own world where, what was it, Facebook bots oh yeah like talking to each they other like their own making language. their own language that then people couldn't figure out mm-hmm. so yeah hmm. yeah it's it's fascinating it is wait so did you already cover your compelling question or do you have a different one i actually have a different one okay um so my compelling question is in regards to the clones mm-hmm. what do you think is the difference between a clone and a droid in star wars outside of one is made of metal yeah, well, I think in Star Wars, without the TV series The Clone Wars, mm-hmm. I wouldn't actually think that there was much difference at all. Mm. Because they don't act like there's any difference. Mm-hmm. And you don't really actually see the stormtroopers that were clones do that much of anything. Uh, sure, you have them kind of talking like regular people mm-hmm. uh, sometimes, but you actually get to spend a lot more time with droids than you do with them. Mm-hmm. But then once you get into the Clone Wars, you get to see a lot more of their own personalities and their own choices and how some agree with certain things, some don't agree, and some like to follow the rules, some break them all. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so... I think with that addition to the Star Wars universe, you get a lot more agency and more differences, I think, between the clones and the droids. But yeah, it's complicated because the droids are complicated because the droids, yeah, there's a vast difference between, or it would seem there's a vast difference between the a destroyer droid and a stormtrooper that mm-hmm. was a clone. But a stormtrooper that was a clone versus L3, I don't know how much difference there is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think it's it's very interesting, especially as you're talking about with the Clone Wars TV series when you start learning about the chip that was put inside the clones' heads mm-hmm. that make it so that they are compelled to do Order 66. Mm-hmm. Um, where is that essentially the same thing as a restraining bolt? You mm-hmm. know, is this a programming that you're doing to these living beings? And if so, what does that say about how droids actually are? If the mm-hmm. same technology or types of technology can be used to control people as can be can be controlled droids, mm-hmm. are droids not people? 
Well, and that's an interesting thing too, because I would say, I would argue that the chip is actually more, like impedes agency more than the restraining bolt does. Hmm. Because R2 could still have other ideas and make other choices, even with it on. Mm -hmm. But the clones could not, right? I believe there are some clones that canonically resisted. But I thought they resisted before... Some of them. Most of the ones they talk about in the Clone Wars, they were ones that, like, for whatever reason, the the chip got destroyed or taken out or or something. Was Um, faulty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, um, and and maybe it's just from, like, uh, other other context that I've had because I, I, I myself run a Star Wars RPG and I listen to a Star Wars RPG <laughs> and both of those like they we deal with You're so clones. Cool. I'm so cool. <laughs> uh, but making up stories about this made up universe. But yeah, uh, in those, in both um, kind of dealing with the fallout for clones and, and how that affected them is something that, that I've been super interested in and read and listen to and, and things like that. So it's mm-hmm. uh, it's just, it's a lot of unanswered questions for me of, of yeah. how that would affect clones. And, and now I'm like comparing in my mind like droids and Vulcans. Okay. <laughs> right? Because there's like this highly logical mm-hmm not emotional but still able to make their own choices and still having agency mm-hmm. whereas i feel like some of the droids in star wars seem to have more emotions than like vulcans do huh. yeah yeah very interesting yeah well do you have a missed opportunity i do have a missed opportunity oh i'm so excited to hear it oh yay so my missed opportunity is actually looking at the idea of agency in regard to the force itself. Oh. Yeah, right? So, because the force, we know that it like binds everything together. Mm-hmm. And we also know that it communicates through sentient micro particles like the metachlorians, mm-hmm. right? So, But they're supposed to have sentience. Are they? Yeah. Okay. At least on on wikipedia Wikipedia. yeah makes sense i could i could Um, see it i suppose right but then you also have in the clone wars these kind of sentient beings of like the good and the evil part of the force right okay so you have like all of this which is just it's very interesting but it's also kind of a mess Mm -hmm. and so it just to me it leaves like a lot of unanswered questions and like do the Jedi or Sith use the Force, or does the Force use them? Mm. And if there are these sentient particles, do they have any choice to empower people doing evil, Mm. or do they just do that? Like, if they didn't want Darth Vader to be doing the evil things he was doing, could they stop it? So, yeah, for me it's just like, a lot of unanswered questions. That's very interesting because it, it's like, do they control the force? Like, mm-hmm. are they, does the force come from them or mm-hmm. are they personifications of the force? Exactly, right? Do they uh, just fill in the these archetypes that exist within the force itself and mm-hmm. essentially have no agency themselves because they exist as those personifications? That's really interesting, yeah. Yeah. Um, I do wish that there, there could be more done there, absolutely. 
I mean, it, it kind of makes sense that it isn't super defined because it could have its own religious structure mm-hmm. and temples and things like that. And whenever we're dealing with that, we deal with a lot of mystery. Mm-hmm. But then once you make it semi-scientific, then you need some answers. Yeah, and, and that, <laughs> that I think is, is one of the problems with Star Wars as it's grown because, you know, the original trilogy is great because the Force is mysterious throughout, you know? Mm-hmm. And then episode one comes around and you talk about midi-chlorians and you start having these scientific explanations for things mm-hmm. and people start having expectations of further information about how this universe and how this cosmology exists, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and giving more information leads to more questions. And when there isn't a firm answer, when you're still leaning back into that mystery, but you've already answered some of those questions, it just becomes more uh, more difficult, I think, to parse sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. So what is your missed opportunity? My missed opportunity is engaging with terms of agency with those sentient beings who are not droids or clones okay um because the the empire when it takes over has a clear racism against Mm non-humans and it uses slavery as a way to control people you know um Mm -hmm. kashyyyk is taken over as slaves and we see some of that in solo where there's where they're working as slaves in the mines of Kessel. Mm-hmm. But I think that they could do more with ex- understanding not only how that really impacts people to take away that kind of agency, mm-hmm. but also to see people rise against that and to regain their agency through rebellion or through yeah. proactive work, you know? Mm-hmm. I feel like we o- the only times you get that is in things like we see in Solo where... There are slaves who are freed, and that's it, mm-hmm. you know? We don't see what happens next. And most of the rebellion we see are people who have never really lost their agency that way. They're people mm-hmm. who have had different forms of agency, and that's why they've been able to build a rebellion, which is also really interesting. Yeah. But I think having... Because there's been oppression, but they haven't necessarily completely lost their agency. Exactly. Having mm-hmm. the general be... A senator, you know, Mon Mothma, another mm-hmm. senator, is one of the leaders of the rebellion. Like, yeah. the, the rebellion is not led by people who have lost their agency. It's led by people who have been able to manipulate their agency mm-hmm. as they were under attack. And I think mm-hmm. that that's very interesting as well. But I think that I would have liked to see more of the stories of why people were rebelling and how they have developed their own kinds of agency as as a rebel. Mm-hmm. And at least when it comes to the resistance in these new movies, almost everyone exercising their agency in it are humans. Mm-hmm. And so what happened to all of the other races, right? I mean, there are a few in Black Squadron who fly there, with Poe. Yeah, there are a few, but not that many. Compared to, like, the the humans greatly outnumber them. For sure. And it would be interesting if we saw the reason that is, is because of this racism that Mm. has happened in the Empire and then the First Order. And that that has taken away the agency of so many of these other beings to the point where they couldn't join the Resistance if they wanted Mm -hmm. or... 
I think, to expect people to just join this super risky thing as soon as they've gotten any ability to choose anything again mm-hmm. is also maybe misplacing burden. I mean, I think it's great if they want to and they can, but it's another thing too after you've gotten out of slavery to, um, you know, just learn basic things of being able to not live in fear with PTSD and like all of these different things. Poverty that probably still yeah. dealing with the ramifications of oppression. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and conversely, mm-hmm. I imagine there are also probably many who, you know, Sure, they're happy the empire was toppled, but they trust the new republic, which is still a human-run, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. organization, uh, most likely. Yeah. So yeah. I, well, and we don't really see this much, but I'm sure there's some bigots in the resistance. Totally. Just like it would have been in the rebellion, because totally. you just can't get away from that. So. Yeah. 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 I think on that point, another missed opportunity is that there still is no main character who's not human mm-hmm. Chewbacca is the main one you know who's not human or a droid but like mm-hmm. Maz was a cameo Barely character yeah. but she plays the same role as Yoda essentially mm-hmm. but I think that having you know I mean Gardens of the Galaxy does it you know where not all the characters the the, the, the cast members only one of them really looks human like fully human mm-hmm. and they don't have to look wholly alien and wholly cg or in this this giant costume that makes it hard for them to perform but something that shows that humans are not the only ones we need to be caring about because mm-hmm. i think that reflects how in the empire that's all that is cared about mm-hmm. or to see it just as oh these humans are gonna set all of the other races free which also mm-hmm. would be problematic totally totally yeah. Well, what about a takeaway? What's your final thoughts? Hmm. I think my takeaway is that because Star Wars has had so many different directors and writers and has evolved over such a long period of time, concepts of agency really get convoluted mm. and confused. <laughs> and so there isn't really a standard but I do like some of the places that they're going with it now because I think now they're actually looking at droids in terms of is this slavery and Mm -hmm. and things that are really grave and important whereas I think in the originals it wasn't like that at all and then the prequels it was just like completely I, I don't it was just like, ooh, cool, Archie has upgrades. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we didn't really get to see any of that aspect. So I think it's cool how it's kind of evolving. But because it's evolving, it, it makes sense that it's not always consistent. <laughs> and even not even consistent within its own movie. I know, I, that's I think that, true too. <laughs> that as amazing as L3 is in Solo, having her then after she dies just be plugged into the, the Millennium Falcon so that she can provide the information they needed from her not her personality just Mm -hmm. the information they wanted from her like Mm -hmm. i think that goes back against what they're setting up her character to be i totally agree and i thought that that was like frustrating because it seems like oh well look she's not fully gone but 
<laughs> you're essentially taking away her agency. Mm-hmm. You're enslaving her <laughs> yeah. in in a new way, and and you're you're. I mean, and maybe a... it was supposed to be. Hey, now you can look back and see that she was involved in destroying the Death Star and right. like doing all of these things that came to pass. And my guess is that's what they were trying to go for, but it's it's. I agree. And this is this is and this is one of the problems with creating a prequel where you're trying to to create something Mm -hmm. that isn't there because in the original trilogy there just isn't a personality to the Falcon you Mm -hmm. know like if there was something about it being temperamental or it being a little bit I mean it is temperamental more than it being just called a a piece of junk you know having it be about the onboard computer Mm -hmm. more than anything else like it having a personality and doesn't that make it so that Han is insulting her. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. So, it, like, it just doesn't tie in with what we find out about the Falcon yeah. in ways that you'd hope it would. And so I, I agree. I think their intention was good, but it just, mm-hmm. like, it fell flat uh, for me, that, that, that choice. Yeah. Well, do you have any other thoughts? I do. So my takeaway actually goes back to, to kind of what I was talking about with you know, me playing and, and listening to RPGs in this universe. I think that on your point of there being different creators and there not being a structured canon idea of what is and is not, what who and does and does not have agency within Star, the Star Wars universe, mm-hmm. that is one of the reasons why this universe is so fun to play in and why this universe is so fun to have these kinds of conversations <laughs> because in. Because you can do anything. Well, no, yeah, because cause I think that that opens up the opportunity for people to start having their own conversations, their own character development about these issues. Mm-hmm. Um, in my game, one of our players is is a droid who thinks that it's a human and is asking if droids can, can harness the force and going into these questions that there's mm-hmm. no firm yes or no answer in the movies. So he and I and our group get to come up with those answers together. And that is really exciting and really cool. And I think that's one of the reasons why those mysteries are really interesting to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this 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 topic in and this theme in this universe is particularly interesting to me in being able to create those ideas and those situations within, within the universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Star Wars is great. <laughs> Well, well, I believe before we fully close out, we have a message that we received from one of our diehard fans. That's true. Yeah, so we got an email from one of our fans, from Kimberly, who uh, wrote us about our episode 7, Pride in Harry Potter. And so Kimberly wrote, Hi friends, I've been thoroughly enjoying the podcast since episode 1 and look forward to many more episodes to come and ponder. I enjoyed your discussion of Pride and Harry Potter in episode 7, and a thought-provoking point made near the end of the episode when you touched on Voldemort's hypocrisy, asking his hatred of all who are not pureblood, when he himself is not. This brought to mind a conversation I had with Brittany about cultural disassociation and prejudice that can sometimes develop against one's own culture due to harmful or traumatic experiences. I see an immediate connection with Voldemort's deep aversion to and hatred of muggles, muggleborns, and non-purebloods, which developed from his negative feelings toward his muggle father. I'm curious to see if you have any additional thoughts on this correlation and how Voldemort's f- sense of shame led him to take on an entirely different association that was not his own to the point of assuming a false sense of identity, establishing a deeply rooted pride in the assumed culture and going so far as to persecute all non-purebloods. Thanks and geek out. Kimberly. Yay. Yay. 
I love that she used our geek out. Yeah, yeah, it's catching on. <laughs> oh, yes. So uh, she mentioned a conversation that she had with you. So so mm-hmm. tell me a bit more about this idea that you, you were talking about in regards to having oppressive perspectives on something that is actually part of your own identity. Yeah, so I remember it was mm, maybe a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. I was talking with her about internalized racism Mm -hmm. and how yeah just that people can want to distance themselves from their race uh, or culture based off of either things that they don't like or things that society doesn't like Mm -hmm. right and so in this case with relating it to Voldemort I think that he he does it because he doesn't like his father mm-hmm. because his father abandoned him and abandoned his mother and so he has all of this anger and he then turns that outwards towards everyone else and we don't actually see him i don't feel like we see him turn it towards himself that much mm-hmm. at least in any tangible actions mm-hmm. but I can only imagine that he has to have that in him, right? Right. I mean, it goes into him changing his name to begin with. Exactly. You know? In Chamber of Secrets, he mentions how he doesn't want to keep his muggle father's name, mm-hmm. you know? And that's why he becomes Voldemort. Because, yeah, there there is such a intense um, denial of that part of him mm-hmm. that, you know, is a hatred of muggles and a denial that it actually has any any sway against him. It's he's so firmly rooted with his his wizarding heritage mm-hmm. that uh, that he he denies it completely. Well, and obviously he loves his magic because mm-hmm. it makes him powerful, mm-hmm. right? And something that he didn't have before when he grew up in an orphanage, mm-hmm. right? And Although even then he was using it as power he he did have it kids. somewhat, right? But I think it's interesting because he doesn't really see that his mom did something wrong. Mm-hmm. She was the one who used a love potion on Voldemort's father. And then when he when the love potion broke, he was like, wait, what is happening? Mm-hmm. And it was understandable that, that he was upset about that. Should then he have just abandoned both of them? No. I don't know exa- at that point what you would do, but he came from a wealthy family. Mm-hmm. He could have at least supported them if he's like, well, I don't trust you, clearly. Mm-hmm. But he didn't do that. So obviously his father did very wrong things, and and that led to his mom dying and him growing up in a uh, an orphanage. But it's just so interesting that he takes the part that he wants to associate with and that part is the supreme mm-hmm. but then another part which would make him less exceptional he yeah harbors this hatred for and then you know proceeds to try to eradicate it or at least um oppress it mm-hmm. and i wonder if if you could have a voldemort like that who's muggle-born you know like Mm -hmm. can you have someone who loves that kind of power that much and hates 
you know, muggles that much who themselves was a muggle. And again, maybe if their parents were abusive. Right. Right? But if they came from a loving family or even a semi-adequate family, mm-hmm. I would e- expect not. But I'm even thinking, you know, if if Voldemort himself was raised in this orphanage, and instead of finding out that he had wizarding parentage, he finds out that he had fully muggle parentage. Mm. Or even fully wizarding parentage. I wonder how that would affect him and how that would affect the story. Yeah, it would be interesting. I wonder if he would be like, I would be even more powerful mm-hmm. if I hadn't had these muggles in my line Diluting or whatnot. my blood or whatever Exactly. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Kimmy, for sending us that email. Um, and everyone else can obviously send us an email as well at geekcritiquepodcast at gmail.com. Yes. Please so, do. We'll yeah. give you a shout out and we'll talk about your compelling thoughts too because we must not be the only people with compelling questions here. Absolutely. <laughs> well, uh, can you set up for us what are we going to be talking about next week with Harry Potter? So, we are going to be talking about passion. Passion and Harry Potter. Mm, interesting coming from pride into passion. Mm. Okay. Yeah, that'll be that'll be a good conversation. Not just our passion about Harry Potter. Oh, that's exactly what I was planning on talking about. And I was <laughs> You're going to be the character? I'm going to be the character. I'm going to be talking about how passionate I am, um, how prideful I am about my passion for Harry Potter. <laughs> it's going to be great. Well, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Geek Between the Lines. You can find us on social media by searching for Geek Between the Lines on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Pinterest. Or you can send us an email like Kimberly did at geekbetween at gmail.com. You can also go to our website, bit.ly slash geekbetweenthelines, or go to our Patreon site at patreon.com slash geekbetweenthelines. We also want to thank Kimberly Taylor Pastel at Lacelet for designing our logo. You can find her designs at lacelet.com or searching for Lacelet on Facebook or Instagram. We will see you next week. Thanks very much for listening. Geek Geek out. out!